0: Hi, I'm Katarina, and this is Sound Effects, and music and mental health podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Sound Effects. You may remember some time ago when we were deep in the pandemic, I did an interview with Barry Ashworth from the Dub Pistols around his work as patron to the charity Tonic Music for Mental Health and at the time I did a part one with Barry where he talked about his own personal experiences of drug-induced psychosis and his subsequent recovery from that and he talked through a little bit at the time about what that charity does and everything he gets involved with in terms of fundraising. if you need a reminder of that episode, I'm going to drop in a little clip here just to remind you of what he said.
1: I think this year has been awful. I mean, you know, within the music industry, obviously, not only have you lost your uh, your ability to earn money and provide for your family, you've lost your identity, you've lost your purpose in life, and you've lost who you are in life. And mm. it's been a really difficult year. And I've constantly phoned around my friends that I know within the industry just to check on people and see how they're doing and and I'm not going to lie to you when I say to you they've been doing absolutely terribly like you know people who normally are so positive and so you know always laughing and joking and um You know, some of them can't even talk, which is worrying because Mm. that's the ones that you really need to worry about or the ones that open up are in an absolute terrible state. Mm. So Mm. it's been a really, really tough year. And I think for everybody in the industry, the thing that's given me the focus is obviously electronic music for mental health, because that's I've been able to put my time into that, which has kept my head space Mm away from the dark side. Mm. Not to say that I haven't been to the dark side because I have, but there wasn't before really any support groups about. And obviously when I first joined Tonic it was more about helping other people. It was more about you know, knowing doing what Tonic Tonic doing what they do and you know their idea of helping people, you know, and recover from mental health, using the power of music, using their workshops, using their Scar Choir, using their Punk choir and use it, you know, and then meeting these people and and seeing the changes it it, it had on them, the, the impact it had on them, getting groups together and singing together, and um, so it just seems to me like the most logical thing. And then when they said they were going to talk about doing the ones to do the Tronic Rider this year was the perfect time or last year because the whole industry was literally almost wiped out overnight mm-hmm. and from that came a tsunami of problems mm-hmm. that really were going to bring on a wave of mental health issues and with every charity and everything else losing all its funding, it just seemed like it was the perfect time to, to launch the Tonic Rider and to actually put all your money and effort, time and effort to raise money so that, um, so that charities like Tonic could help. Mm-hmm and it totally made sense to made sense to me so i offered just to get involved and help raise some money and that the money raised from that was, was what launched the Tonic rider mm. campaign and things but that's really been my focus and given me a reason to do it and feel that i'm I'm doing it for the right reason rather than just doing it and um, look at me type thing. And it's amazing how many other musicians have got come forward. You know, we've, we've also had an online auction and we've had everyone from the Gorillas, Suede, um, just so many fantastic artists that have donated so much, you know, But to be honest, I'm quite happy to um, raise the money to to help pay the people who can actually help, the people that need helping. I think they're the the actual saviors and the angels and the pop stars in this one. And the Minotonic group, um, Marlang, um, Tom, Parr, Steph, Dawn, those girls are just incredible. The amount of of passion and effort that they actually put in is incredible. So um, I'm just happy to support them.
0: Now, in this episode, that was part one of a wider look at the work of the charity Tonic Music for Mental Health, which promotes good mental health within the music industry. And This episode is now part two with Geordie Shenton about the charity and Geordie's role within the charity and what Tonic Music for Mental Health actually do and and how you can get involved. It's a fantastic charity that is growing but it's very informed by research that's going on. It's a very vibrant charity, there's a lot of celebrities involved. Adam Fijek star sailor, Barry himself bears and it's growing all the time. Some of you may already know that um, Terry Hall from The Specials, who died before Christmas, was actually the founding patron of Tonic Music for Mental Health. So this episode in some ways is paying tribute to him and the legacy that he's leaving behind. And we talk a little bit about that legacy he's left and the vision that the charity has for ongoing work kind of in his legacy so i hope you find it helpful and informative and most of all i hope that if you need any support you can turn to tonic music for mental health and the tonic rider programs for that support because there i have to say like since starting this podcast was in 2017 I started I've really got to know Geordie and other members of the team who have been incredibly welcoming and incredibly encouraging and 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 it's been a, a, a really enjoyable experience and I think that's the overall vibe that I've picked up from this charity obviously this podcast is a lovely community that's developed over the last few years and I if you don't already know about tonic, and I'm sure many of you do, that you will find community in the tonic family as well, because it seems like a very embracing community. Anyway, that's enough of my voice. Um, I'll hand you over to Geordie now, he will explain everything very succinctly. <music> Hey. How are you doing?
2: I'm good, how are you? Good, thank you,
0: yeah. I've
2: got my non speaking I've got <laughs> all the time you need. Tonic Rider part two, and I think part one was about May, wasn't it?
0: So yes, Geordie Shenton, you are a coordinator for the Tonic Rider part of Tonic Music for Mental Health. You're doing a PhD looking at Substance abuse amongst musicians.
2: Yeah, which one day I will finish.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Do do you want to introduce what you do and what Tonic is?
2: Yep, Um, Tonic Music for Mental Health has been a um, charity that I've been running since 2012. So um, we have two programs. So the original program we have is the Recovery Through Music program, and that supports people in recovery using music as a recovery tool. So that's based in Portsmouth in the Hampshire area. And then we launched the Tonic Rider programme, which is the one I coordinate. And that's about promoting good mental health in the music industry. So that's with a programme of taught workshops, support groups and training courses that are free to all music industry professionals. So my role is to design, manage, review the courses, groups, workshops, and also one-to-one support that we offer.
0: I wondered whether for anyone listening as you've named like Tonic Rider events whether we just list them like what is available to people?
2: Yes so um, at the moment we offer different training courses support groups and talk workshops so all which are delivered online and are freely available to access for all music and professionals so we have the Mental Health First Aid, the Suicide Intervention and Rachel Jepsen's Mental Health Awareness in the Music Industry. In terms of support groups, we have a peer support group and a well-being group. And the talk workshops, we have the Music Performance Anxiety Workshop, Emotional Resilience and Acceptance Commitment Therapy Workshops. And these are delivered on a sort of every eight weeks and they're on different days or times. So some of our workshops are in the evening, we have training courses at the weekend, we have groups and stuff in the morning. So the accessibility that hopefully we offer something for everyone Mm -hmm. time-wise to be able to attend any of our groups, any of our courses, any of our workshops, all that um, music intervention will need to do is complete our online registration form. So that's on our website, tonicmusic.co.uk forward slash tonic rider. There's a button that just says registration form. There's a couple of el- eligibility questions. And then once the form's submitted, we get that, we get that through to us. And then eventually within a few days, one of our team contacts the music professional to book them on to whatever courses, groups, workshops they wish to attend. So that's the best way for music. Intro- professionals to get involved and again I sort of emphasize the point it's not just for music industry professionals who are experiencing poor mental health but actually music industry professionals experiencing good mental health who may want to attend to learn new skills to support others
3: mm. so it
2: is really free to all music industry professionals um, as well as that on our web page we have free mental health guides so at the moment we have a help with depression guide and we have a suicide prevention safety plan which are free to download Mm -hmm. um they're in like a pdf format so they're they're available to download and also we are regularly at different events with our tonic stands and that's where some of our team are there to talk about the tonic rider program and also the recovery through music program Mm -hmm. and um where we do sort of we 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 attend these uh, tours to raise money so we have um sort of our merchandise for sale and yeah and it's all I think that's a really great way to um to talk about the program because I think there is this kind of yeah I think there's two things that hold people naturally back from attending certain sort of programs that are labeled mental health there's the sort of almost like the, the fear element in, in the nicest way possible that it's like you know it's something it's almost unknown isn't it the fear of the unknown and then there's all there's always the, the stigma so that again that's related to the fear that people may feel that they may be stigmatized which again as an organization we are fully empathetic and no one attends our program where we reveal the details obviously for follow confidentiality confidentiality and anonymity and then also there is the sort of distrust and again that can resonate from sometimes there can be in any industry different organizations that's you know, provide mental health resources or programs, maybe without the qualifications, maybe without the experience. But one of the strongest points of the Tonic Rider program is that all our team that facilitate our workshops, courses, our groups are qualified mental health professionals who have also worked or worked in the music industry. And I think that's one of the strongest points about our program, because it's one thing to have the mental health professionals. It's it's another thing to have um, individuals with experience working in the music industry. But to have both as a whole team, I think it's fantastic. And I think that's where you get the empathy and understanding, because, again, it's it's a very unique industry. So the tailored support is
0: necessary. Yeah so much to talk about but maybe let's start let's start with terry shall we start there he passed away because he was such a big part of tonic Mm. and it would feel i guess a bit weird not mentioning him yeah
2: yeah it was a shock but um Mm. terry terry was our founding patron so he'd been patron of tonic pretty much since the beginning because he come performed at one of the early tonic gigs and and the thing with terry he was a really active patron so, you, and we're really lucky at Tonic because we have all our patrons and ambassadors are really active. Um, but with Terry, he was a real supporter of the work Tonic Rider does, and also our previous program, so our Recovery Through Music program, the Tonic Scar Choir was funded by the Specials. That, that was great. And he, you know, he was a real advocate of the work we're doing all round. Um, we were focused on mental health. We, we were able to go on tour with the Specials and take our Never Mind the Stigma stand. Um, and it was always lovely that the band and Terry always came up to us, spoke to us, re- really active, really involved. And yeah, it's been a real sad time over Christmas with Terry's passing, but his legacy will live on. And actually um, it's been really lovely. All the responses we've been getting on social media. Um, Gary Crowley's done a tribute on his radio show, BBC Radio London, which was absolutely wonderful. So it's been really um we, we we rarely touched in terms of the just the fans and other artists as well other you know because you know a lot of artists um quite prominent artists were were Terry's friends um and that's a really important thing as well is just um the amount of love and and then one of Terry's quotes was love 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 and that's been um that's been coming through quite a lot so yeah it, it's I feel well we we all feel you know Terry Terry is our founding patron and will always be our founding patron and his work will will continue with tonic. So yeah, great legacy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You could see from all the tweets that were going out, there wasn't a bad word said about him and there was a lot of love as he say that yeah.
2: Yeah. I'd only met him a couple of times, but what a wonderful person because he literally he came along. It was when we were doing the Commentary City of Culture event. So he curated it and said, oh come along, have his stand and stuff. Terry just come along and he was just like, Oh, nice to meet you, Jolly. I've heard what you've been doing in the Tonic Rider program. And I think, fucking hell, Terry, like with everything that you that's going on with your tour, your new album, with creating this event, he didn't either be like that. do you know I mean, if he could have been like, oh, yeah, nice to meet you and moved along, fair enough. But I think well, how wonderful. We're we're so thankful for all the support you gave us. Yeah. And I think again, probably 95% of famous musicians, famous people generally, are wonderful people
0: yeah it might be a strange thing to ask i, w- I mean he's kind of irreplaceable in a way but i'm thinking about you know his legacy hangs on in in tonic
2: terry was our founding patron we've got barry ashworth and also got kevin cummins as well as a patron oh, okay. um and we have our ambassadors such as um denise black linville from specials um shawnee from the pistols among others gary crowley as well um so yeah it it we're really blessed with the patrons and ambassadors we've got. They um, are part of the Tonic family, so mm. it's we're we're really strong. Terry's helped us be strong because he was founding patron. He's helped us be strong, and it's it's because of you know Terry was a big part of that. So yeah, we're really lucky um, in in that regard. Bar- Barry's a very active patron as well because obviously he does Barry's friend Circus, and he's. Um, regularly posting content about Tonic Rider and the other work we do. He is very um, showman-like, but he is utterly fantastic as a patron. He does so much, and he is a one. He is absolutely wonderful. Um, I always please when I see Barry at our events. <laughs> We're very, 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 very lucky. and
0: I'm sure I uh, even had Bez being involved somewhere along the way. Yeah,
2: so Be- Bez has been involved previously through us with um, Barry's Flying Circus. So he did the Barry's Flying Circus, which is our fundraising event, our main fundraising event for Tonic Rider. He did that in 2020 and 2019 um but he's a he's a great support and he um he's provided quotes for us that we put on our website and put out on our socials and he's very um again been been a great asset to have sort of his input in terms of the tonic by program and just general having that kind of industry support as well and again it's fantastic because we have different um figures within the music industry who are almost like well friends are tonic so some are actually then attend our program some don't attend our program but it had to have that kind of um support and 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 to to list the amount of people that support us with that would just take sort of over an hour probably Um, it's been fantastic and it's it's nice to feel sort of welcome in the industry to um to do that which is which is really good one, I think it was one of Noel Gallagher's guitarists wore a tonic t-shirt at Glastonbury yeah. or something. It literally randomly he had a tonic t-shirt on, oh, wow. yeah, which yeah. is really, really cool. Um, was really, really cool. Yeah. That, we're, we're always going to recognise Terry as our founding patron. Yeah. yeah. So, no, and I think it's a great time as well, because we're now expanding the programme. We've got, you know, our partnerships continue to help musicians. We've got a referral pathway with the BAPAM. We're Hopefully, well, we are going to be doing some festival and gig work more than what we've been able to do. Um, the po- like I said, the poems will we We've now got Lucy Heyman involved and Chris Madden as well, oh, Ray, okay. Rachel and Adam continuing. It'd be great to have you involved at some point as well, Katie. Oh, um, I'd
0: love to if you want me, <laughs> um, yeah, without
2: a doubt, without a doubt.
0: Um, yeah,
2: it's a great time, it's a great time, but it's coming out of a sad time with Terry's passing mm-hmm. as well
0: it's it's kind of just making me think about you know all the work that you've done since tonic started and even when we last spoke i think it was only 18 months ago when we spoke um and how much has changed since then already it kind of gives an insight into just how active everyone is within tonic and how it seems to all be growing and it feels like an organism that's sort of gaining momentum <laughs> at the same time <laughs>
2: I like that word, Um, an organism. Yes, it's so we recently um, celebrated our second anniversary in terms of the Tonic Rider programme. Tonic itself, the charity is now um, heading to its 11th birthday. Um, Yeah, so with Tonic Rider, we started with one peer support group, which was facilitated by Adam Frycheck, and we had mental health first aid champion training as well. Not the the full first aid, it was a champion training to start with and it has grown considerably we now offer the full mental health first aid course we've got suicide first aid light the peer support groups are now funded by help musicians and we deliver a range of those some have been in partnership with the musicians union others in partnership with independent venue community we've done specialist peer support groups for particular record labels we've got one upcoming on music performance anxiety which lucy hayman's facilitating and we've got the Leeds Peer Support Group ongoing now in partnership with Independent Venue Community, which Chris Madden is facilitating. Um, and we also have another training course we do is the mental health awareness in the music industry training course, which Rachel Jepson designed and provides through Tonic Rider. Um, so the program has just expanded. It's um, yeah, when you really reflect, it's quite um, yeah, it just just. Did just grow we really thought we are very fortunate because we've got a great team we've got great partners and help musicians we've got the BAPAM as well we have a referral pathway with the BAPAM so we were able to refer um musician participants for one-to-one clinical support through that pathway we've got other great um partners as well like I said independent venue community musicians union um and it's yeah and we've got resources coming out in the, you know later in the year actually i say later in the year it's actually a lot sooner than that um and we're hopefully we're expanding our festival and, and gig work backstage support to be sort of more in the heart of the music industry so we've got that to be announced very soon and yeah it's it's been a, a quite a hectic two years but it's it's worked it's really been it's it's quite humbling really it's yeah and for me personally when i first met steph the ceo of, of tonic and steph told me about the idea of tonic rider and what the plans were to me it just it was just an instant tick box because it was yes this will work this is really great and and the way we are positioned as well we offer non-clinical support non-clinical mental health support in the music industry Um, And I think that fits nicely in the sort of network where you have help musicians and Music Minds Matter and and the BAPAM. And I think we've just fitted in really nicely with that. And we get some fantastic testimonials, from participants. Um, So far, everything we've provided has been free of charge. Um, Hopefully that will continue with the training courses that we offer. And yes, it's, yeah, it has been quite... um, they were saying quite a roller coaster, didn't they?
0: Yeah. I don't
2: really like roller coasters. <laughs> <though. laughs> yes. Yeah.
0: yeah, I mean, a lot's gone on. Maybe if you don't like, I
2: think mean, more like up, but just the odd sort of twist, maybe.
0: Yeah.
2: It's we, we we've had um. It's been a great two years.
0: Yeah, yeah. How did you get involved with Tonic initially?
2: I started on board as a volunteer researcher. Okay. Um. So I was going to conduct, and I still am going to conduct a study with Adam Adam Fycheck to Um, measure different mental health disorders within the music industry and then after about two weeks Steph said I'd really love for you to come on board as a paid data analyst so I did for one month I was doing the data, data analysts and stuff like the registration forms and then the role for coordinator come up and it was Publicly advertised and Steph recommended I should go for it, and I did. And then suddenly I was coordinator of the whole program, so which is a dream job.
0: It sounds really exciting. It sounds like a lot of people are welcome to kind of get kind of pitch in and get involved a little bit with it. Yeah,
2: it's it's a fantastic team and it's like a big family, and they are actually family to me. I, I, I love them to bits. Um, there's um, a lot of shared knowledge and everyone gets involved in different elements so so we have an events and fundraising coordinator like i said we have the two programs that each have our own coordinator but the team still works together to achieve the goals we set out and with tonic rider i believe we've achieved them fairly quickly we now have eight different workshops courses and groups
0: Adam in is one of the people running those groups
2: yeah, so Adam facilitates the he facilitates the original peer support group and continues to facilitate an online peer support group, yeah. and he's been fundamental to our growth. Um, so yes, he his role is to facilitate the peer support group and he's involved in a lot of the sort of future expansion of the peer support group. But he has been a real rock to us as a team because he has his knowledge and his experience, and he has been absolutely superb. And just a great help. He does a lot more than just facilitate the peer support group. So he's been fantastic. And like I said, he's he's going to get involved with the research we're we'll going to do. We're going to we're going to do that together. It's a fantastic team. Um, it's yeah, and 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 it's just great to be able to highlight our work. So we're really privileged to be able to go on panels and come on podcasts and just talk about our work, highlight the issues as well um that are our main concern so like your music performance anxiety substance use in the music industry burnout those kind of issues touring the effects of touring I mean post lockdown um, music performance anxiety touring anxieties around that has really grown as we really, so we're, we're recognizing that
3: mm-hmm. and I think
2: that sort of the next stage really is to really come together. And, and, and I think, again, it's, it's all about that great community we have with other organisations, but there are a number of key issues that are in turning to campaigns. So, like I said, you know, post lockdown, you've got the carry on touring campaign around Brexit, you've got the broken record campaign around sort of the poor income from streaming, you've got the save our venues campaign with, with live venues closing down. Many, many more campaigns. Related, you've got again, you know, abuse in the music industry, or all, all the campaigns related to that. Mm. All of these issues affect the mental health of music industry professionals and working musicians. So it's really important, I think, now that we highlight that and look at it in the scope of mental health. Yeah, this is something that the industry needs to look at in terms of we talk about different kind of issues in the music industry that's going on. So, for example, the streaming issue about artists receiving poor income from streaming, Um, the issue around live music venues, especially grassroots music venues closing, the issue around um, Brexit restricting touring in Europe and the effect of that. You know, these three key issues that have been talked about um, for the last few years in the music industry, but very rarely in connection to mental health. It's about how it affects musicians and music professionals financially and, and potentially socially. But actually we, we rarely talk about the impact on mental health, that these issues are major impact on mental health. And this is away from the general, you know, before say 20, 30 years ago, you got the same stress as you do now about performing, about touring, about working um, long, different hours. But these new issues have emerged that are quite unique to the society we live in. So again, you know, streaming with technology, live music venues with sort of the, eco- the current economy. And again, Brexit, and we don't often link this up to mental health and we, we, we try and do that with tonic by those, especially like with our peer support group where these issues are discussed. Almost every cohort of our peer support group mentions the effects of Brexit, streaming, and sort of close your live music venues. And this uh, enables an environment where music and professionals can talk about these in relation to mental health. Because I think that's the one thing we're missing at the moment in the industry, is that conversation of, yes, we know about these issues, but what is the real impact on the mental health? Mm. Because yes, we have figures of say musicians, maybe who are left the music industry or even tour professionals who have left the music industry, but actually what is the impact on them mental health wise? And it's probably tremendous. So yeah, it is um and, and we'll continue to have that. Like going forward in the future, say, you know, 20, 30 years, there'll be new issues that emerge about in the music industry, mm-hmm. new challenges. And it's about Tonic Rider and, and you know other organizations that support mental health in the music industry is about us sort of facing those challenges and adapting
3: mm-hmm.
2: to um yeah, to meet those. We don't want to be behind and thinking too far back.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I'm I'm thinking about how I remember you mentioning that in our last interview, and we had quite a we had quite a discussion grappling with that issue. I'm thinking just even from then, how much has changed because we were right in the thick of uh, lockdowns and the pandemic, and since then, you'll have seen, I guess, the repercussions of that of what came out of it, um, which Polytonic are supporting people with too. Um, what have you, I guess, what have you noticed?
2: Yeah, so the main, I guess the main kind of concerns, should we say, the main concerns we've spotted. So I think when COVID first emerged and the lockdowns and then when the lockdowns finally ended, I think there was a, there was kind of this mindset where it was like COVID and post-COVID and, and, and that's incorrect. It's more of a case of lockdown and post-lockdown. Mm. Um, so one of the main concerns has been about this post-lockdown, um, you could say trauma in some ways. You could say the effects of actually those pretty much 18 months of lockdown have, have impacted everybody. Um, and, and quite harshly the music industry because of the closure of venues, tours weren't going on. Um, those those kind of things. But with that, there's certain c- concerns that maybe aren't highlighted enough, such as like music performance anxiety or social anxiety as well around networking in the music industry. Because if, if you do experience those anxieties and you've got maybe a week before performing or a few days, then those are the days where you're experiencing anxiety. And then as you're about to go on stage, those kind of things. Mm-hmm. When you have that and it's elongated for 18 months, the impact of that is, you know, it's quite significant. And that's what we're kind of seeing because you've got some artists who are still struggling to go out and perform live or maybe even not wanting to go on tour because there's, you know, 18 months being at home, maybe being with my family, suddenly it's a different way of thinking, different different life, different world, and that can be difficult as well. Um, again, the social networking aspect, Um, And just generally as well, how we're now working, a lot of things we're now doing are through Zoom and through sort of digital spaces. And and you do get things like digital barrow now. And that's bad enough when you've got artists having to promote themselves on social media regularly, every day, twice a day. And then having to conduct a lot of things through, you know, your phone, your laptop, your tablet. Again, real big changes. And it's about adjustment as well. So that's been one of the key things. And then like I said, we've had other sort of issues emerged like the we're now realizing the effects of Brexit on touring. So that's that's a big issue. Um broken record, like I said, broken record campaigns really picked up and that's really been highlighted. And that was highlighted during, I think during lock the lockdowns. So I think that that's really when that was first really prominently highlighted. Um this, again the save our venues, a lot of venues had to close due to The effects of lockdown and the effects of the cost of living crisis, um, especially over the last few weeks and months where energy bills are just impossible for venues to pay. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: Um, And like I said, you know, abuse in the music industry as well in different forms. So racial discrimination, gender discrimination, physical, sexual abuse, Mm
3: -hmm. all
2: these issues relate to mental health. And they've always existed. Most of these issues have existed, not Brexit, not Covid. It's just they're now really being highlighted and we're now talking about them a lot more. And and I think we are starting to talk about them a lot more in reference to mental health because we, we tend to talk about them in terms of the economic impact, the political impact, maybe even the cultural impact, mm. less so the emotional impact. And I think that's important we highlight that because we need to address these issues, but then also address the what's the outcomes in terms of mental health disorders or mental ill health poor mental health and that's an important thing to do
0: yeah 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 do you have a sense of the outcome when you're talking about the impact for example of um brexit on touring um what have been the outcomes
2: yeah so i guess it's like a domino effect isn't it really you've got so first of all the impact Affects music industry professionals across the board financially. So there's less work, or if if they do choose to go out to do our work, and it's more expensive. So so essentially, there's, there's less income um, from that. Obviously, you get things like cost of living crisis. So things are more harder to pay for. You've got you know, all the issues around that. That has a toll on mental health. That leads to anxiety because you have financial anxiety which in turn can then lead to depression um and then in some cases more serious mental health disorders So, so these can be the outcomes and again we need that that kind of recognizing that these outcomes are not the they are the result of the financial impact but they're not the the outcome itself is not financial it is emotional it's mental health um so yeah those are the type of issues we see and again it can be across the board because anxiety is so closely related to depression you then got closely related sleep disorders that emerge from that you're going to panic attacks you know more um sort of chronic anxiety or depressive disorders can develop from that Um, substance use it can really spiral Mm -hmm. um so yeah that is the those are the outcomes and that and that's part of the reason we offer the support that we do, why we have the peer support groups, why we offer the workshops we offer, is to, it's not just about the knowledge that's conveyed by the facilitator, but it's also about that peer-to-peer support, mm. like-minded peers attending a course, a group, a workshop, and there are fellow working musicians, fellow music professionals who are most likely going through a very similar experience, not the same, but similar, And being able to share thoughts around that, fears, identifying barriers, solutions as well, finding solutions. And one of the really fantastic things about the peer support groups are most of the peer support groups that go on to form WhatsApp groups, Facebook groups, Mm. those kind of networks. So they do the six weeks. So they meet every week for six weeks, 90 minute sessions. They then end. But then actually they do form networks and that's a real big ripple effect because you want that peer support to continue that's what we want it's not just about the support we deliver with through our provision but actually then the consequences of that the positive consequences
0: yeah it's it's so interesting how these two things coincide like the increase of use in social media uh, has that Negative side, as it were, but then the positive side is, as you say, it's enabled digital support group well, online support groups, and then WhatsApp connections and, and yeah. social media. So, there is, um, yeah, it's quite a double edge, and it's quite nice what's emerged from it as a result. Um, yeah, it's nice to know that that's happening in a way, as you say, a ripple effect. I'm seeing that a lot in other all across the board like in therapy circles like the people even coaching and stuff and how people are taking the reins to support themselves Even like peer peer-to-peer connections it's really nice um
3: yeah it's about
0: <laughs>
2: skills as well it's about it's about learning skills that's how we sort of perceive the whole program that we offer it's about skills that you can use yourself pass on to colleagues and in the wider music industry i mean we encourage um you know as many music professionals in the uk to participate in what we offer but that's a lot of people um, so it's it's good to have that ripple effect of going oh, i've learned these skills through through tonic rider and you know you just try it out maybe and, and I, that's a really key thing as well and it's great it's really great to see because it is The music industry is very it's large but it always feels like a community it always feels like someone mentioned to me the other day um like a six degrees of separation that you always know someone who knows someone and that's the sort of community aspect and because we delivered most of the program online so we deliver there's always a peer support group delivered online the training courses workshops that means that we can have people from the music industry who may be based in the most northern part of Scotland to the most southern part of England, um, you know, Wales, Northern Ireland. And that's great because it it takes, you know, not every music international is based in London or Manchester or Glasgow. Mm. They live across the country. And that's really, that's one of the real positives we've gained from the last two years is being being able to bring together you know, members of this community who are so geographically spread across the UK, Mm -hmm. and then they develop networks from that as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. And you're kind of talking about on the face of it, like, the community of peers in you know musicians or people with working in the industry but you're, you're also I guess talking about the people behind the scenes people like you people like Lucy Tams and you know everyone working in the research side of things and the and charity side of things I think when people think of music and mental health or that you know mental health in the music industry it can trigger an image but a lot of people don't realize just the network of of things that are going on under the surface and you've mentioned already like so much like obviously tonic are involved in, in these support groups but they're doing research constantly you know you're you're researching constantly and um obviously adam as well like all these people and it may be worth like i'm just wondering whether we could, because they're all on board with Tom and Tonic as well. Maybe we could name a few of them and just have a sense of, um, just like an overview of what you know what they're doing. Because it is a big network of people.
3: <laughs> yeah,
2: um, it is you know Tonic is a big network of people, and um, it's it's interesting as well because actually, so like as you know, we we have Adam Fycheck supervisors all our peer support groups. So Adam is. A UKCP registered psychotherapist. He's a drummer, baby shambles, um, and he's also you know music teacher, and he also does doctoral research as well. So he, he it's like the, the knowledge there of mental health and music is quite vast. And again, we've we've got Rachel Jepsen, similar, you know, counselor, singer, also done research. And that is it's it's that is, there is a community now around mental health in the music industry, and it covers so many things. It covers, you have your psychotherapists and counsellors, you have your coaches, you have your researchers in academia or your researchers in the industry. You've got the charities and other organisations. It's, it's a real, from when I first started researching the topic, which is now seven years ago I think it might even be eight I think it's seven years ago um and at the time I first approached the subject not for long like only a couple of weeks but at, at the time when I the reason I first decided to research the area was I had to pick a dissertation topic and on the day of picking my dissertation topic uh Scott Welland passed away from Stone Temple Pilots um so that led me to think well why why is it that it seems in it, it, that a lot of musicians pass away fairly young um usually through unnatural deaths when it's a, when it's a young death why is that and that first, you know very very early days that was almost that romanticized notion of sex drugs and rock and roll and from that quickly within weeks i realized that actually there is this mental health and music industry it's a it's about poor mental health mental ill health so what's happening in this industry and I remember at the time it was it it seemed like that field was quite small Mm -hmm. um, very small in terms of the researchers in terms of therapists um, you know the names that come out were your sort of like your early research is like your susan rayburns and your jeffrey wills um who did some cracking research in the 1980s susan rayburn the us jeffrey wills in the uk and then you had your therapist and i remember at the time learning about adam's work and rachel's work it's very small and then you had help musicians at background. but it's that's what it seemed it seemed very small and it's it's now we're in 2023 it's just grown. This field's really grown, and that's really great to see because it's. I think now we're we're starting to see, the, the effects of that because we've got artists cancelling tours, but not in a way where it's like cancelling tours and it's really quite um, sad, dramatic, and almost immediate. Criticising it's different now. It's about artists cancelling tours, to protect their own mental health. And that's understood by fans, which is wonderful to see. You're also seeing the same with members leaving bands for a little while. So um that's another thing. So we're starting to see that. And I think that's all of this cultural change is, I think, partly due to the field of mental health and music industry growing the way it has, and more people, you know, highlighting different issues and, and, and there is no one answer because the, the solutions to the issues, they can be dealt with through non, non-clinical support, clinical alternative therapies, there's a range of things. So that's been really great to see and I think it's a real impact.
0: Yeah, it is interesting because I, I can, I remember how there was a knock-on effect as a result of uh, the as you say, the lockdown more than the pandemic in itself, suddenly everyone was confronted with the reality of people couldn't go to gigs anymore. Then it dawned on a lot of people that if they're not going to the gigs, then the, their idols aren't working either. I think something happened where it kind of all combined where this awareness got raised of oh actually our idols are are human beings and they have jobs and they can't get an income and when all that news came out around you know the the government weren't going to fund artists Mm, I think it really hit home and it's like for the first time in a long time there was this equaling out or leveling out of like people weren't on a pedestal anymore. We were. Everyone was on Twitter and pretty much uh, in a different, there was a different relationship, I think, between fans and their bands and bands starting Patreons and things like that. And I can see how that um, has, as unfortunate as that was, it's kind of supported more awareness of the kind of work you do. I think it's sort of made people actually stop and think, ah, oh, okay, and whereas before maybe you would have to have had a specific interest in it in order to know it was going on. Um
2: Yeah. I think that's a great observation actually, because I think you're spot on. And I and I wonder to to an extent whether that lessened the myth around all musicians are mega rich kind of thing. Because that's that's one of the worst myths in the in the music industry. It's one of the really difficult things to overcome when talking about the work we do mm-hmm. to people outside the music industry because it's like, oh, well, you know, all these artists are earning millions of pounds. I'm like, no, they're not. Mm-hmm. Um, they're really not. Um, yeah, I think that it... it you, Yeah, it, I think you're right. It did sort of maybe humanise as well. Mm-hmm. And um, and and again, I think it's also a generational thing. I think the, the generation that are in sort of, you know, 18, 19, 20. I don't know what generation that is now. It's not my generation. Um, so th- there's a lot more culturally talking about mental health. There's a lot more songs now mentioning the word therapy.
3: Yeah. Or
2: um, even doctor, um, which is, I, I don't recall that when I was young. I don't recall many songs that were that kind of, they were about mental health but sometimes not directly mm-hmm. certainly didn't mention things like therapy or antidepressants or any kind of support of our mental health so that that's that's another interesting thing as well i think and it can only be a positive i mean i hope it continues i and i believe it will because i think there were several major artists last year that cancelled tours or postponed tours you know due to burnout needing to take time for themselves and I feel like when I was younger that makes me sound a little bit older than I probably am but I feel like maybe shall we say in the noughties Mm -hmm. and before that had that happened there would have been a bit more there'd have been a bit of anger maybe maybe a bit of not understanding why that was the case and 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 quite, and quite possibly where there's been tours cancelled, many many years ago, and and maybe the reason wasn't the truthful reason was not giving that was you know artists or even crew you know crew we mustn't forget it's not just about the artists, it's also about the crew. I think it was Yard Act, I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's Yard Act who, come together with their crew and decided to postpone or cancel a couple of dates just to take time out, go see their families. I'm pretty sure it was. Um, and that's important as well. It's not just about the artists, but it's also about the crew, the whole tour community as well, because everyone gets impacted by that. You know, months on the road, being away from family, friends, you know, probably you know, poor nutrition, although in some cases it's not always poor nutrition because, you know, there's catering, but for... for um, upcoming bands it might be a case of going to vending machines going to takeaways etc cetera, etc cetera. um mm. you know poor sleep all those issues so yeah, yeah i think it is As i think that's a really good observation you made actually about covid i think it, that's spot on
3: yeah yeah
0: because yeah and it's i think it's raised people's empathy massively um it's just yeah it's just something I really noticed and that word humanize you said um I feel like we've gone from glamorizing to humor humanizing I feel yeah. like that's the that's the trajectory it's and it's almost like the concept of fame now almost comes into question because it's like well we had a different relationship to it before I, I, yeah. I don't know that it can exist in the same way now but yeah, I don't know. Very,
2: it's very interesting because, um, like when I again when I first started researching the topic, mental health in the music industry, um, yeah, you know, when I when I told, shall we say, when I told lecturers, to be honest, when I told university my plans, it was kind of ridiculed in some instances because it was like, well, why would you want to research? musicians as I was researching and, and around mental health or risk-taking behaviors what why would you do that that's not really a thing that's not a topic so I I wonder now seven years forward if that would be the same now I, I, I don't think it would I, I think in that short amount of time I feel like if undergraduate Geordie was raising that topic for his dissertation that actually it'd be like yes, we've got an understanding of this because we've seen these tours being cancelled and we've seen this artist talk about mental health and we've heard this song. Yeah, I think it's a cultural change um, certainly in the UK. I, I don't know if I wouldn't afford thought every single country that would be necessarily the case. It's probably quite difficult for some artists in, in certain countries, especially where you know mental health is not spoken about and is still seen as negative and that whole kind of, you know, that is called quite a almost deviant. Um. So yeah, it's hope. Hopefully, hopefully, this really does continue. I mean, we we are still coming out of lockdown. I, I we're still not. I don't. I. It's it's an odd it's an odd scenario because music professionals, working musicians, are probably working harder. Than before COVID. I, I they really are, because of all the issues that are going on at the moment. I fear that at the moment we're still not at that capacity. Mm. So that's another fearful thing that there, there is there is the potential that as there's more dates, as there's more shows, as there's more um you know, even records coming out, as as there's more awards, like if yeah, potentially. So, so that's another potential issue we have to we have to recognize that that mm-hmm. there is this work overload burnout aspect to it as well um and, and again just generally being out of practice with it because mm-hmm. when you're in it's like muscle memory isn't it when you're in that kind of zone and you're working and you're going on tour and it's like you know this 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 and this and i i know a few tour managers and i i i Absolutely think they do amazing work because it the things they do are, are just well, I couldn't do it. Um so yeah. And again, you know, COVID happened, being out of that muscle memory and that almost I guess cognitive memory, to then going back, it must have just not just taken days, but it must just take weeks and months and even years to get back into that kind of slickness. And that again, so that makes work harder because the muscle memory's not there, you're working maybe twice as hard, three times as hard, because you're having to think about it more.
0: Yeah, yeah, getting back into it and relearning it, as you said, yeah. And and probably also the insights gained through the break, real, like, a lot of people may be realising they don't want to go back into that as well. Yeah, mm. kind of, um, whereas they might have been just without thinking about it now they're thinking actually do i want my life to be i'm sure lots of things like that are happening
2: a lot of reflection and i think with tonic rider with what we offer that online program where we've got you know the training courses the support groups the talk workshops and the one-to-one support sessions Mm. the, the reason we keep keep the core component of it online is because we want music and professionals to be able to join these while on tour or even, you know, in the studio or when they're away from home. Mm. Um, especially you know, especially in the UK, like the UK tours and you know, if they're doing a sound check that maybe there's a they can take out, you know, an hour to join a group and and do that. And and, and we've seen some of that. I'd like we'd like to see some more of that because I think it'd be really quite You know, useful but again it's difficult it's about building it in and again some artists and crew and managements have really built that in their tours around that focus on rest relaxation focusing on self-care mental health Um, and I think an aspect that that can be the online program we offer Um, so yeah it's it's a real change I I don't think would have happened before COVID because it it seems odd doesn't it that before covid I, I this seems really odd before covid there was hardly anything online there were like webinars and there was the occasional online workshops but it seems like when covid happened it was like we suddenly discovered like the wheel it was like actually we can deliver this
3: online <laughs> like
2: how amazing like it's it just i do find that quite um amusing that actually Because we call Tonic Rider because the initial idea was to focus on the venue work, which, again, we're doing more and more of. But the the idea behind it is that you'd have Tonic, as in us, on your rider. So that's where the name Tonic Rider comes from. But then it became an online programme when it launched, because it launched in, in, you know, a year into the lockdowns. So I, I do find that amusing, that this idea that we just didn't, I'll have, to, I'll have to look back on it I, i'm i'm pretty certain there. you know there was only like web the occasional webinars there really wasn't as much as there is now like i feel like most any program around mental health and music most has at least an online um route whether that's you know tuning into an online thing that's in person or actually being just an online delivery it's um yeah how remarkable we discovered the wheel during covid
0: (laughs) i think i think you're right because i even remember even within the therapy profession i remember when we all moved from in-person work to Mm. online work even as a just a general therapist and Before that, there was always this slight suspicion around online work, like people did it, but it was always like, oh, it's not as good as, you know, it's not as real or authentic as the real, you know, in person work. And then suddenly, as you say, actually, the discovery is what there's actually a lot to there's a lot of uh, to be mined here. And it's interesting that once we came out of lockdown, actually therapists continued working online because there's so much benefit. And thinking about just access, you know, for people who people who are disabled and couldn't even go to in-person sessions and thinking, wow, like we completely dismissed that whole section of society. Like as you say, it is like a discovery of how did we not know this?
2: (laughs) It, it, It is funny. I mean, I I live um born and bred in Suffolk. So it's really like we're quite rural out in Suffolk i mean there's one major town and um, we're quite rural and i do think you know we have a real strong community of musicians crew you know ips is just quite a hub for a lot of um great bands so, same as colchester which is only like 15 miles away so small town you know so, well small medium towns um but again thinking back pre you know pre covid to maybe access mental health support specifically around the music industry, they would have needed a trek into London, which you know it's, it's only an hour on a train, but you've got the cost as well. So you've got the you know you've got the time element, you've got the cost element, you've got, um, you know, even just the, the social element, family, friends. You know, being able to go, okay, I'm going to block this, you know, I don't know, six hours for an hour and a half workshop in London, mm. and that's now again with this we'll call it discovery the wheel i think we've we've got a nice quote there um it is um yeah
3: it,
2: it you don't need to go into london to access these things and it's not it's not that we don't we do deliver input like our first in person we do in-person training so we do in-person training for music industry organizations we started doing that last year and we and we do have an in-person peer support group in Leeds, in partnership with an Independent Venue Community, which is facilitated by Chris Madden, um, and that's the first time we've done an in-person peer support group. So that's based in a music venue space at a Porto. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that how that works, how that goes. I think it, I think there there'll be a lot of positives from that, um, but it will be interesting because again, another another thing to consider is you know, even this past winter, we've had, what was it? So we've had that there was COVID flu and strep A, I think mm-hmm. the media is reporting.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: maybe we are be- becoming a bit more aware of that as well, that actually, oh, should I meet up and do things in the winter? And I I think we have to balance those anxieties because we don't want to stop doing things like going to gigs in the winter we don't want to stop going we don't want december january shut down that that the music industry can't it can't do that and it isn't it isn't about that but it is it is an anxiety that is justified it's justified to be worried about catching a virus because we've gone through the whole world went through covid and it was quite a scary time um so that's that's another issue that i maybe didn't mention earlier Is actually Hmm. very much that so there is that kind of preference for online stuff particularly in the winter and maybe in the sort of spring and autumn that in-person stuff is maybe more favored but again you know running this peer support group now so and as I speak it's January so yeah it's it will be interesting to see how that goes I think it it will be great it will be it it will be really great but I do think that is that is an anxiety as well
0: yeah and you're mentioning um because you've spoken a lot about group work and um you also mentioned BAPAMs would the BAPAM side of things be for sort of if people want if people still want one-on-one support even if it's online is that the route that they would go through um...
3: yes
2: so what the way we work in terms of one-to-one support is um so everyone who registers for the Tonic Rider program has a one-to-one booking appointment before attending anything it's just like a 30 minute just a chat you know just to check in um to safeguard participants and also just to get to know participants again you know being online is about getting to know people as well because otherwise it can be um quite robotic and email based um We do always mention, so we're musicians, because of BAPAM's criteria, we're musicians, we do always mention the BAPAM as an option, that if they do feel the need for one-to-one clinical support, we have a referral pathway to BAPAM, and so we do utilise that. And we do also offer um, our own one-to-one one counseling sessions um, and one-to-one support sessions subject to availability, Um, most participants with that tend to be crew because the musicians um, are usually eligible for BAPAM support Um, and also the support sessions tend to be like a one-off support session so this is more about kind of like maybe a certain concern or an issue that, that that someone may be experiencing that they just want to talk about with someone from the music industry who's got training in mental health so that you know they are mental health professional so we offer that as well um we don't we don't tend to promote that it's more of a case of um during the booking appointment finding out what is how can how can we make the experience the best it possibly can and then through that if it's like for example i'm experiencing a lot of music performance anxiety i'd really like to have talked to someone one-to-one about it first we can facilitate that mm. so yeah that's something we've only introduced recently um towards the end of 2022 um so yeah and that's and that's quite important as well because even though the program the program really probably the main emphasis program is about that peer element sometimes there needs to be that kind of check-in almost mm. and that's really important because it's about it's about safeguarding as well isn't it it's, yeah. it's it's really important that you have the music industry expertise but you have that safeguarding element as well yeah. that is because that's the yeah. most important thing and and sometimes it's not even um you know backpack pathway the most important thing is that if we have participants if they are in crisis we refer them to the appropriate service that is about whatever is the need of the participant, that's the most important thing. So, so in some cases that is more NHS route, more uh, crisis team route. Um, and But you know, this thing, the, the non-clinical support we offer, the programme is for anyone in the music industry along the spectrum of mental health. It's not just for participants who experience some poor mental health or even a mental health disorder. It can be, you know, and it is for participants who are experiencing good mental health, maybe never experienced um, mental ill health, maybe never been diagnosed, but they just want to come along. They want to learn new skills. They want to do training courses. They want to do the peer support group, even just to kind of like network and just, just share those kind of issues and experiences. And and in some cases, you know, we do have participants attend and they, they give their sort of years of experience with that. that's that's the thing with Tonic Rider. It's 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 not. It's it's for everyone. Mm-hmm. It's for everyone. Anyone in the music industry in the UK can benefit from attending the Tonic Rider program because there are skills around mental health and well-being that can be learned. Mm-hmm. Even I, I, I've done one of the training. I, I did uh, Rachel's mental health awareness in the music industry course um, mm-hmm. when I started at Tonic Rider, and even though I've got you know years of research around the topic. There was stuff from that course that I learned and I and I use to this day.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: That's the thing is, though it, it 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 can teach so much. It's, it's it's a wonderful, it's a really wonderful program in that regard.
0: Yeah, just hearing you sort of repeat that it's open to everyone, I think it's important because I think people people maybe do feel shy about it, and I guess you know also mentioning that one-on-one because there may be some reservations for some people who aren't sure yet if they want to dip their toe into something they're not ready to see people they might recognize you know all of that um so knowing that they can still approach they can make an approach and they can have a one-on-one kind of consultation it sounds like um or assessment
2: it's uh, like it was like a chat really I, I, I wouldn't really call it an assessment it is it is i mean of course the an appointment is done in a in you know completely safeguarded completely safe environment but it is it is just about having that initial conversation with the participant w- why are they registered for the tonic rider program tell me a little bit more about yourself what i you know what your experience has been like you know with covid what's been happening just those kind of chat just being able to identify potentially any additional needs because they might you know we our program doesn't Address everything we need, even in the music, it just doesn't. Um, because it never could, because the range of issues and concerns are quite vast. But then, that again, that booking point allows that signposting referral to say there is also these services. There's this here as well. That's another important thing about it as well. It's we, we never wanted it to be a case of you click a button and then you get a Zoom link to attend a session. It's about that process of, you know, you have the registration form and then it's like you're almost part of, almost like a community. But, you know, once you're registered and have that booking appointment, you know, participants are welcome to attend anything, at any point. It's not case what you've got to attend all these things now. It is, there's no time limit. There's no pressure, that, and that's the most important thing because that's how the music actually works you can have reading professionals that they're home for two, for two weeks and they're back on tour. They're not got time, you know, they haven't got the time to be able to do anything. Then they're back for another four weeks and then they have got time. It's about that. It's about us being flexible. And that's another reason why we deliver. So we've got peer support groups that have been midday. We've had some late afternoon in the morning. Um, like I said, Rachel's training course is on a Sunday. Our workshops we deliver are usually in the evening, so they're usually about sort of like 6.30 to 9pm. That's because there is no nine to five in the music industry and times vary. So that's why we deliver it, how we deliver it online, flexible timing to just make it accessible.
0: Yeah it's literally really easy to do they just literally go online to tonicrider.co.uk that's the website yeah
2: so it's it's tonicmusic.co.uk forward slash tonic dash like the hyphen rider and then that takes you to the web page um the tonic rider web page and then there's a button that says uh register or registration click on that registration forms just there and then and, and there's no that's all it is it's just a registration form and then we contact as people register and um yeah and the website's been updated um very very soon in fact it might as we talk, talking be updated now um so we will be the same web page and it'll be a lot more um there'll be a lot more options as well but the registration form is that one registration form for everything we offer because on the registration form it then lists what we offer and what you may be interested in attending and then it's the booking appointment where the actual bookings are made that's where like it's about dates and those kind of aspects of it so yeah it's um hopefully a nice simple process yeah
0: yeah and it's it's kind of making me think about it's a bit I don't know if it's it's not really a segue into it, but it was just thinking about each of your individual inputs. There's all these people that are involved in it. And it's like they're sort of each in their own ways. You're all kind of ambassadors for different things. And the Mm. sense I get is kind of like how people can... It's accessible in that way too, in the sense you're you're all on social media. It's not just a kind of, as you say, it's not just like a faceless thing where people go online and register people can kind of get to, to know who you, you guys all are as well. It's it?
2: a real community, isn't it? Um, so we have currently five facilitators on the programme. You're right, it's interesting because the four facilitators, so Adam, Rachel, Chris and Lucy, are very active on social media. They're very active in terms of talking about mental health in music industry, doing panels, doing podcasts. Um, mm-hmm. So you feel you get to know them as well. Mm-hmm. Um, before I, I was I admired all four of their work before I actually met them by working at Tonic. So it's it's great. They they are real ambassadors of mental health in the music industry, um, and it's fantastic to, that they're able to bring their music industry expertise. Um, and we are to bring specific expertise in terms of Chris his knowledge of the music industry in Leeds Lucy Hamrian, her knowledge around music performance anxiety it's it's wonderful it's really great and it's um yeah you 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 are right and again it's, it's something that um we're very privileged to work in a field where there are um individuals who are really real advocates of promoting good mental health in the music industry yeah yeah
0: and you're one of them as well don't forget yourself
2: (laughs) I always forget that um just um yes I'm with my little um social media pages uh yeah it's it's yeah because it's a topic that um again reason I joined tonic is because I found an organization that was a passionate about these issues and addressing these issues as I was and I'm really fortunate to have gone from academic world. I'm not really I wouldn't call myself an academic yet. Um, you know, but being a researcher, being involved in research. So being involved as a research assistant on some key studies, um, contributing to publications, the latest being Tams and uh, book touring the mental health, the music industry manual. I contributed the mental health and the music business chapter for that book. So going from that. To then actually working more in the actually delivering the support, almost a front line. I don't, I don't really like the word front line, but that word front line. You know, working, you know, being involved in delivering services, being involved in talking to music professionals and addressing. You know, to me, that's the greatest pleasure. That's been the greatest honour of my. I was gonna say like be very dramatic, but of my career, um, because that you know that's what I want to do. That's what I I started with research, and I'll continue with research. And we've got research coming out through Tonic Rider very soon. we we've, we're starting some work um, looking at a few things, um, but yeah, to me, it's I found really found. I don't, to me, it sounds like I'm, I'm going to get like what's the word when you get all sort of start using oh it's my calling Is my you know but but to me to me being in a role of Tony a coordinator where I can be a part of delivering a program of free support and training to working musicians and music professionals around mental health and well-being is a really really great pleasure and may it continue because yes absolutely it's um we're just getting started we're only 2 years old with the program mm-hmm. and it's we've got some real great long term plans um which is yeah so we we're, we're, we're sticking around we're not going anywhere and yeah it's it's um you've caught me off guard there with that you know? every time every time it's like don't don't forget yourself i'm like oh um but yeah it's um Yeah, it's been nice because, like I said, uh, you know, like I said earlier about, you know, seven years ago, there wasn't much discussion around mental health in the music industry. And I think some of the stuff I used to do before Tonic and even during Tonic is talk about on social media, reach out, the odd article that come out. But you'd have to really search for things like some there. It just was not being talked about. And I feel like now. It's really just being talked about. So so sometimes I just I it's just a pleasure to see it. That, again, that ripple effect that finally with the conversations are just there and it's just it's it's really great. It's yeah, long may it rain.
0: Because I'm already noticing and seeing on Twitter, for example, from the time that I say for example when I started following on Twitter tonic music for mental health Mm -hmm. you know when you get the thing on Twitter it says people you also know who also follow over time I think when it began I think I was the only one on my follower list who was following and now when I look at it it's like half of my follower list also follow you know so it shows that like kind of and I noticed that a lot because then a lot of them follow you and then i see it the same with lucy it's it's kind of like um people are definitely hearing about it and and following it and talking about it yeah
2: in terms of the growth of tonic um that is 100 percent down to steph steph lang and our CEO's vision to take tonic from a local charity shall we say in portsmouth based in portsmouth um originally well it didn't start as a charity It only become a charity I think four years ago um before it'd be CIC so starting you know providing music workshops for the local community developing that and having the Tonic Scar Choir to then having this vision for a long time so so this has been years and years in the making of You know, delivering everything about music, but never delivering something for the music industry. Having this vision to say, that's what I want Tonic to do next. Mm. And just within, you know, in the two years, how it's grown, where we are a national charity. Mm. What we deliver through Tonic Rider is national. We've delivered, you know, again, it's online, but we're doing stuff in Leeds. We've done work in Margate. We've had events. Let's not forget the Tonic events. We've had the Libertines do a show in Liverpool to raise money for Tonic Rider. And we've also had um, you know other shows across the country and other events that have been Tonic Rider-focused. That is all down to Steph's vision, which I... So I, I don't think it's worth to describe how much i admire that because yeah you're right that when i first heard about tonic by accident completely by accident and then ended up working at tonic it was local charity so you, you didn't you know in terms of the mental health and the music industry field no traction very little traction now it's really part of that um part of the conversation we we're, we're at the table which is really great and it's a table with some really fantastic organisations and individuals and not just in the UK because mm-hmm. we also are part of um global networks and meetings so for example the global care network which is run by the rody clinic we're able to attend um quarterly meetings that is has um like music cares attend sims foundation support act of australia and, and other organizations too and that's really great going to talk about the you know mental health music industry globally what's going on what's happening in australia what's happening in the us and canada what services are on offer learning from one another as well which is a really really great there's really it's a really great network being able to share ideas and say oh you know we're doing this and it's like, oh, brilliant you know it's yeah that's a great thing as well and it's really just great. because one of my one of the things I always queried and it, before I joined on it was there's all these really fantastic organisations across the world, um, re, you know, most of them charities as well, but it seemed like that no one knew one another. <laughs> it's yeah. always It seemed like it was all very much in isolation and in silos and no one quite knew what was going on. And I remember just sort of checking them out again through my research and being really made Oh, this is fantastic work here really great i feel like now there is greater community and greater following and greater knowledge and that's down to like i said meetings like the global care network and others there are others about um AFM association for electronic music have a health group so that's got individuals attend that that's another example so yeah absolutely it's it's a really i feel that's a general thing as well isn't it that you kind of would spot on social media this is just a funny conversation. you you would spot oh this therapist is works in the music industry and you've got the bapam register which is like the always like the, the grand book of yeah. therapists working in the music industry. um so you'd have that and you go oh okay and now it just seems like a lot of people are connected with each other now which is wonderful which is really really it's it gives a great outlook for the future of the music industry,
0: yeah, it's really nice, and it's it, it's nice hearing the names pop up. But you, you know, because when when I'm like, if I'm reading an article or something, and then you see like you'll see your name, or, and it's like, oh, it's them, it's them. You know, it's it's just a reminder that you're all, all working together and independently. But it's it's a it's a topic that's rumbling under the surface. I think it's an exciting thing.
2: Yeah, very much so, and it's we need more. We need a lot more um, events, like conference-style events, panels and talks and you know, keynote speakers mm-hmm. around mental health in the music industry. I mean, uh, Music Minds Matter hosted a fantastic one in uh, on World Mental Health Day, I think, it's, so that would be 10th of October. Mm-hmm. Um, that was almost like, I, I guess it was like a launch event of Music Minds Matter, and that was really great because there was, again, academics, therapists, organisations, really great. We, if we, we definitely need more events like that if um, so we've done a panel for the Nighttime Economy Summit, the 9th and 10th of February. So it's me as moderator, Adam Frycheck, um Amy Beesting from Oh My God, It's a Church, Biff Mitchell, who's works with Glastonbury Festival and Beautiful Days, and Gloria Miller, who's a music, musician-singer. And that gives us an opportunity to talk about peer support in the music industry. And it's great to see more and more panels around mental health. It'd be really great to have more... Actual confidence focus on mental health, music, she having, you know, looking at these. I feel like we covered anxiety and depression quite a lot, um, mm-hmm. and maybe burnout, stress. I think it's now about talking about the more specific issues, eating disorders, substance use, um, you know, mental health disorders such as EUPD and schizophrenia and bipolar, because they're maybe not spoken about enough um bipolar is being covered by um sarah sharp who's doing a phd study around bipolar in the music industry among women um so that's something but again we, we need to have these conversations more and uh, it would be really really great to have more events and really highlight where well, i feel like time is now i feel like it's gonna happen um yeah
0: i i can see how actually it's really quite vital and important to track that and um in order to support when those situations happen and especially with um drug use um, and drug-induced psychosis and and things like that 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 will happen and I know Barry talked about that in terms of his own experiences so and and what really fascinated me was around that idea that because he was sort of you know, because he had a high profile, people mm. were sort of egging it on and kind of encouraging it. So rather than it being looked at as um, actually he's he's in a bit of trouble here, let's help him out. It's kind of actually with let's think about the money, let's think about the gigs, you know, and, and then the fans want him to perpetuate the behaviour and it became a cycle. Yeah. So I can see um, why that's so important to to throw a
3: spotlight
2: on. But- I think you're right though. I think mm-hmm. I think in terms of um like the Barry talks about like substance use and how like you said how people egg it on and encourage to partake in say he- heavy alcohol use um different forms of drug use mm-hmm. problematic drug use. I think also as well that you know, I think one way we can there's multiple hypotheses but so we can look at it as does the music industry attract people who are susceptible to certain mental health disorders it's one way of looking at it including substance use does the music industry actually almost socialize people into um, developing certain mental health disorders again substance use being an example so so that's sort of there's this kind of two hypotheses there and you are right about how um, there needs to be more sort of knowledge and sort of skills-based learning around how to um regulate and manage those mental health disorders while on tour while work doing work in the music industry which is not like a normal job it's not nine to five and there's not there's not always kind of well-being support with the organizations or even even hr for example so that's a good point And, and and plus as well is um generally in society, but I'd probably more specifically in the music industry, probably the rate of sort of underdiagnoses of certain mental health disorders is, is probably quite high. Um, mm-hmm. for different reasons. So whether that's because um music industry professionals don't have sort of time to speak to a GP, receive a diagnosis, which takes a long time to receive diagnosis of certain mental health disorders as well. So the fact that in or even if, in some cases, there's almost like um, almost like an innate discouragement. So not a direct discouragement, but also this kind of um, that. Sometimes you can imagine that a music professional, and particularly performing performing musicians, the performing artists themselves, mm-hmm. is that if they are experiencing a crisis or certain symptoms of mental health disorder sometimes it can be difficult for for them to maybe receive the support because obviously they're a fundamental part of say a tour or say a record and understandably it can be difficult and not actually in a bad way because I think this sort of idea of um individuals around a performing arts not saying something that is always kind of labeled as oh they're they're doing it in a negative way and I don't think that's always the case I think it can be difficult sometimes with generally that if we say have a friend or family member where there is clear symptoms being presented it can be difficult for us to even say say something to help them receive the support they need so I don't always think it's in a negative way I just think in terms of a work work environment naturally it's more difficult in a work environment to and sort of encourage and direct and signpost someone to receive support. So with the music industry, it, it's it's the same thing. And again, it's it's probably exacerbated further because of the nature of the work with touring, with being in recording studios, not being nine to five. Again, not being nine to five. So doing work overnight, where there, there is less access to crisis support, etc. So yeah, I think that's one way I look at it. And, I, and that's something we I think we're quite passionate about as well. Is not I actually think the industry gets stigmatized as this kind of evil money making industry that I don't think is necessarily the case. There are examples where that may happen, as in any industry, but I do think mostly the music industry is very empathetic and supportive of people artists and other music industry professionals experiencing poor mental health and so we should sort of change that kind of rhetoric a little bit and think of it in a different light.
0: You, you mentioned, um, obviously you mentioned that chapter you wrote for Tamsin's book.
2: It was originally the Touring and Mental Health Manual but now it's Touring and Mental Health, the Music Industry Manual.
0: So the chapter you specifically wrote, what was the topic of
2: that chapter? Yeah, so I was privileged to be able to write the mental health in the music business chapter. So the the idea behind the chapter is to give a summary, a nice overview of the research that's been conducted on mental health in the music business. So that looks at um, prevalence of mental health disorders in the music industry and also contributing factors to mental health disorders. Um, that's how the chapter kind of works and that's really great so I'm really looking forward to people being able to read that because it is it's not you know it, it is as extensive as it could be at the time and it really is, its is great for it to highlight the research has been conducted not just academic research but industry research because industry research is just as important um, even you know even media related research because there are a lot of organizations that conduct surveys around mental health and music industry so it's really important to to highlight those and and what amazed me while writing the chapters how many different countries had actually had a study emerge which is really great and and i'm really pleased to highlight that because it's not just the uk us canada even australia and new zealand um you know there's studies across europe there's studies um in south america there's studies all over it's but it was really wonderful to highlight that and um hopefully it just gives that kind of overview for because this book you know Tamsin's book is aimed at artists crew managers who are on tour who go on tour to, be able to read this reader's book and there's chapters around um you know anxiety depression sexual health nutrition um, oh, oh, you yeah, know, loads and loads of chapters on you know individual issues, shall we say. Um, hopefully, my chapter just gives that kind of overview of the research that's been conducted because most artist crew and managers are not able to access academic journals. They can't read the research that's been conducted by some really fantastic research, you know, like Jonas Farg, like Lloyd Berg and the like they're not able to access it so what the, the important thing for me when writing the chapter was about just highlighting that to people and as I mentioned earlier you know you know researchers such as Susan Rayburn, Jeffrey Wills and, and even some researchers conducted in the 1950s by Charles Winnick highlighting these studies just giving a sort of indication of you know what they said what they said you know what the findings were because I'm a real strong advocate for Making research more accessible, especially when it's music industry research. You know, journal articles definitely have their place. It's really important to go through that peer review process. Mm
3: -hmm. I always
2: think it's a bit unfortunate it goes behind paywalls. I understand why, but it's unfortunate because the findings are most important to the people working in the music industry. Mm -hmm. Not many people working in the music industry also work in academia. There are some, of course, but not many. And I think this really. That's a really important thing. So hopefully the chapter written for the book provides enough information just to give that sort of indication of where we, at, where, where we are at in terms of mental health and music injury. Uh,
0: what a tome, it's like a huge book.
2: It is a big book, but it's really, I think it, it works. The book works nicely alongside um, Rihanna Lucy's book. Mm. sound advice it, it's another great book for that i recommend artists, crew managers purchase or take a look at take out in the library um yeah it's yeah really hopefully really useful i know it'll be useful because it's a, it's a really great it's a wonderful book it's really it's a really wonderful book and um i think it's nice to have that little bit you know the academic i know it's really it's research informed so, yeah, and there's some really great events happening around that as well, around the book that are going on. My favourite book, actually, is there's a book called Musicians and Addiction by Paul Saintelin from Music Australia. And that is fantastic. That's one of my favourite books. It's, uh, again, that's another thing as well, is that one of the consequences of our field expanding is that you're getting a lot more books on the topic. So last year we had Ian's book, uh, bodies life and death in the music industry again you know approaches the topic in a different way approaches it from music journalists perspective but actually really important piece of literature for the field and there's been similar books that have come out around that and again we coming from an academic world where sometimes non-academic published books or industry reports are not always, appreciated when citing literature. I think it's really, you know, we really need to, they're important pieces of literature. They are, they just are they are important for the industry. And um yeah, it's hopefully there'll be more. I mean I don't know if I'll ever write a book. Come on. <laughs> um it's bang off chat. But um it's um I I believe there will be more more books coming out because at, you know the again a lot of the individuals involved in the field are doing research at master's or doctoral level themselves so that's a really great thing too so hopefully there'll be more publications um yeah but I I do I am a strong advocate for accessibility yeah. it is really
3: it's yeah
2: yeah absolutely yeah. It would, I mean, again, we're fortunate at Tonic Rider because we have academics on board. We've got myself, we've got Adam, you know, Rachel. There's a lot of people working in academia on our team. Um, I don't know what it's like for our partner like Help Musicians and BAPA. I'm sure they do. But I thought, you know, it just would help so much the service provision of charities such as ourselves just to be able to not only access the papers, but also be provided them yes. for, for actually and that's another thing i encourage researchers to do, to have you know research researchers are, i've written this journal article i've done this research tonic rider please have a read of it you know if it helps that's so important because it's such a missing link it's it's like you've got these two islands
3: yeah.
2: and there's some slight connections but it, you know we're not talking steel bridge we're talking rope bridge at times and i think you know the reason and we don't receive, I don't, there isn't really that much research done in the UK. Surprisingly, even though we've had research like Jeffrey Will's big, you know, major seminal figure in the field, most research tends to be US and Australia, not really the UK. There's still a little bit of a um gap, which with tonic word we're hoping in the field, because we've got some plans. Adam's on board with Adam, so Adam's involved with it. Um yeah, so we'll see what happens with that
3: perfect
2: the next step is to be able to have studies that are academically rigorous but with an industry approach where it's accessible yeah so and that's we're really lucky with what we're doing with atomic riders. so we've got adam and we've got um a lecturer from the university of portsmouth um involved in hopefully doing multiple studies where we we've got the peer review element, and then it will be the industry element. And on the team, so my background is in statistics. So we're able to do like T-tests, ANOVAs, real complex stuff. Adam does qualitative stuff. Um, so he's really he clued up on IPA. but um, so we're hoping with that to be able to give something a little bit more complex. But then when we produce it and present it to the industry, we can put that in non-jargon non-academic language mm. so w- w- that's a really key thing otherwise there's no point us doing the research yeah. there's no point us doing the research if it's not academically rigorous but then there's no point if it's not available to the industry yeah. but I, I do i am a real advocate for a lot of um like research has been done by the media um i think i was either dj mag or mix mag they did something they did like an i guess it was like an investigative ju- journalist report but she did a really great piece of work. It was something like DJ Minds Matter. Um, and there was like a little survey and there was interviews with DJs. Fantastic. Mm. Absolutely fantastic. And, th- and that should be cited because, okay, you know, it might not be rigorous and, you know, there's bound to be some flaws in it because of the sampling, etc., etc. Mm. But we have to take these findings and use them and go, you know, build it from there and go, okay, you know, here's some initial media stuff. And then we'll go more into the academic I, i'm a real advocate of that because yeah. there are some really really fantastic studies that have been done um by music magazines actually
0: yeah i guess it's more enjoyable that way as well because you kind of go into it you can go into it almost as a fan mm. and then- and then you can get into the music mags and the findings and then gather it together and then think, oh, that's opened up a research interest. I'll go and find the corresponds to it. Yeah.
2: absolutely. And there's there's been plenty I mean enemy did I think with Vice they did I think three videos around substance use in the music industry um again, great it's a great piece of almost documented evidence, isn't it? But yeah, we're trying to it that's we're planning to. To do some research to highlight some issues that have not been covered so we're really excited about that there's been really great work you know studies that have been produced around these specific campaigns i mentioned like ism do some absolutely fantastic work around um discrimination in the music industry i think they've at least two reports now and also black lives in music had their two reports that you know again and linking to mental health which was really important not just looking at the important issue around discrimination and abuse but also then linking it to mental health really key really great studies
0: yeah I really appreciate the way you've kind of given the the ground of of where all this stuff is coming from so you've mentioned the website where people can go is there anywhere else like can people contact you on twitter um social media
2: yes Mm -hmm. so we are on facebook instagram and twitter under the handle tonic rider uk um it has the uk at the end because for some reason tonic rider was taken so we just put tonic rider uk but it is the same handle for all three And that's where there's regular updates about our upcoming courses, the groups, the workshops, the events we're we're running, any um, new resources released because we've got new mental health guides coming out in the next few months. And um, yeah, and also on those social media sites, we also um, share articles where music professionals have talked about mental health. We also share research. So research has been conducted in the industry, up-to-date research. And we also have a blog and we encourage all music professionals, if they wish to write a blog around music, mental health or mental health in music, then please do contact us um, because we do have a blog on our website that goes out every Saturday where different topics are discussed. So we've had one on performance anxiety. We've had one on um, a participant's experiences attending the peer support group. And that's a real fantastic way of... um, sharing people's stories and their and their knowledge as well
0: mm, fantastic so yeah wonderful areas for people to go to and just um get involved basically <laughs> get involved
2: we also have a video as well but um that's that's on our web page but um yeah very proud of it on that note i will let you be let you have a rest of your evening
0: Perfect, Georgie. thank, thank you. you so much for it's your time. It's been a talk. pleasure,
2: it's been a pleasure and I'm looking forward to achieving one of my bucket list goals of being on your podcast. Oh, <laughs> so, thank you and you,
0: later. take care. Bye. bye, bye. So take care everyone and... I will be back after this episode with more. Thank you so much to Geordie for your support and for your time. I really appreciate it and all of you at Tonic. I think you're all fantastic. At the end of the episode, you heard Geordie talk about this book by Tamsin Embleton called Touring and Mental Health, The Music Industry Manual. That book is out on the 23rd of March. You can get it on all major stores or direct from Omnibus Press, the publisher. I'll be at the book launch for that um, this week and I will be interviewing Tamsin very soon about the book as well Um, So stay tuned for that, because it's all really exciting. There's actually so much going on in this field at the moment. The, The whole area has mushroomed. Talking of books, I've also written a couple of my own books, not on the theme of music and mental health, but on mental health generally. Both of those books came out since I did my last podcast with Ella, and I just wanted to mention them in case they're of interest to you. So one was how to understand and deal with stress and the other is your mind matters how to talk about your mental health if you're struggling with an issue and you don't know how to open up to someone and you need a little bit of advice on who to go to and what the options are there um, and also what to do if someone comes to you with a problem and um, so you can get that from all your usual stores or direct from the publisher Hachette UK or Summersdale And they're both available from Waterstones, Blackwells, or Amazon if you prefer, um, or direct from the publisher. Yeah, I also didn't mention this uh, but a while back in november i was invited to sit on the panel at john Robb's louder than words festival and i was on the music and mental health panel for that alongside uh, simon williamson who's written a book about his experiences with mental health running fierce panda record label that book's called pandemonium how not to run a record label i was up there talking about my experiences of working with musicians as a therapist and um, it was a really great experience. So that's it for me. Contact me at soundfxpod on Twitter or at podcast on Instagram or email me soundfxpodcast at gmail.com. Support me at ko fi.com forward slash soundfxpod subscribe do whatever you want to do but most of all just I hope that you enjoy these episodes your support means a lot to me take care everyone and I'll be back very soon bye